Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. All right, baby. So before we dive in, I just want to let you know that you want to stay tuned until the end because we're going to dive into five very great tips that you can use to live in an extroverted world if you are an introvert. So be sure to stay tuned. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. So let's get us started with our quote of the day. Solitude matters. And for some people, it's the air they breathe. And that quote comes to us by Susan Cain. T, when you hear that, when you hear solitude matters, and for some of us, it's the air they breathe. What comes up for you? What do you think that means? So when I hear that, Dom, you know what it says to me? It says, this is the story of your life. (laughs) That is the story of my life. Solitude. Mm. What? Mm -hmm. What? Outgoing Terry. Blogger. Motivational speaker. What? Solitude? (laughs) Okay. Okay. That is so funny. You know what's funny, Dom? People say that a lot, and I'm like... Like, cause I, I am more introverted than I am extroverted and I pretty much, I feel like I've always been that way, but I've learned to adjust to this sort of extroverted world that we live in because our world is built for extroverts. Like it's built for, you know, uh, community and sort of constant engagement with other people. You go to a restaurant and you see like how many chairs around the table, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, here's a solo space for folks that want to eat by themselves, you know what I mean? So I've learned to adjust, and I think we'll dive into that in just a little bit on like tips and how we can do that. But yes, girl, I am an introvert. (laughs) And you know what's so fascinating to me is that a lot of people that I come in contact with who, when they're asked to get up and they have to speak in front of crowds, a lot of professors actually, A lot of entertainers are actually introverts. And and so to me, the first thing that I want to do is kind of clear up what that really means, right? Because most people, they hear introvert and they're like, oh, that means you're shy. No, let's dispel that myth right there. Mm -hmm. Are you shy? No, I wouldn't consider. I mean, it depends on the setting. I think usually in new spaces, I am a little more reserved and like shy, but I wouldn't consider myself to be a shy person. So that's the thing. 
most introverts aren't necessarily shy. Being an introvert or an extrovert, one, is a spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? And so you don't have to be, it's not dichotomous thinking. It's not either I'm totally an introvert or totally an extrovert. Most of us are somewhere along that spectrum. Some of us even more close, like closer to the middle. And determining whether you're an introvert or an extrovert is based on where do you get your energy from? Mm -hmm. So if you're an introvert, that means that you get your energy, you recharge by spending time alone. So when your day is done, like when the work day is done, are you the person that wants to go to happy hour with the whole crew? Or would you rather go home and relax in a bubble bath? Go to hell home. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, it depends on the day. Mm -hmm. So there are some days where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling social. Like I feel like I need to be engaged with people. Let's go to this happy hour. And then most days, because my job requires me to be social or requires me to interact with people, let me take my ass on home mm-hmm. and and soak in the tub yes. or read a book or do something kind of reflexive where it's just me, where mm-hmm. I don't have to interact. Yeah, that makes sense. I think about... When I was a child, too, like when I was a kid, I was one of those kids where I could play by myself. Like I used to be, yo, I used to love Barbies. Like me and Barbie, those, we had a very intimate relationship and I had like the Barbie dream house and the car. I would be in the room by myself playing with Barbies for hours, just making up my own scenarios. But I've always loved to be by myself. And I really get my energy from being by myself. And when I'm around a lot of people for long periods of time, it is exhausting. Like it literally, I become very just irritable and just it's overwhelming for me and so whenever I do go to do like a motivational speaking gig where I have to speak in front of people I beforehand I am mentally preparing like crazy like I have to really get ready for those type of situations even like networking events I have to mentally prepare for that and like all right like come up with a game plan because I am introverted and it'll be very overwhelming for me to be in that space for a prolonged period of time and so when you're in those spaces, because, you know, when we, we're we trying to figure out how to differentiate between the two, when you're in those spaces, do you need to be the center of attention or do you prefer to be kind of in the background? I, okay, so let me, I'm going to put it this way. So when I'm on stage and I'm speaking, I know that, okay, this is the space where I will be the center of attention because I have a mission. Like, I'm not the person that's just going to be saying shit just to say it. Like, I have a purpose. I'm on stage. I'm saying something. When it's over, I'm done. I get very, I don't know if self-conscious is the word, but I just want to kind of be in the background. Now, if I go into a networking event, I prefer one-on-one connection. So I'm not the one that's coming up to the group like, hey, y'all, what you talk about? You know, like, that's, that's not <laughs> I don't know. I don't if know y'all could voice. see, if y'all could see the whole movement that she did, <laughs> I, I'm not that person that's walking to the group, like you know, trying to engage people. I rather just have a one-on-one connection, and that's where I flourish. Like I love the intimate, like genuine connections, not the 
how's the weather? You know, like not that kind of surface level stuff. Right. And I, I'm I'm totally with you on mm-hmm. that. As a fellow mm-hmm. closer on the introvert spectrum, yeah. I thrive in the one-on-one conversations. Yeah. When it's a big group of people, I'm more likely, unless it's a group of people that I know, because I exactly. know, because I know as I'm saying this out loud, my girlfriends are probably like, mm, girl, girl, bye. bye. Right. <laughs> Right. Neek is probably talking, you know, a whole, whole lot. Right. But it's people I know. Exactly. And so but in a regular big group setting, Mm -hmm. like I think about like when I'm doing like networking events with my job or just out, just being out in the community. I'm not that person that Mm -hmm. is engaging the entire group and leading the conversation. If I'm doing that, that's because I've had a conscious conversation with myself where I've said, okay, today, this is your mission. This is your goal to engage in this way. Yes. But around in like networking settings, in work settings, I thrive in one-on-one. That might be also why (laughs) it helps to be a therapist, right? I wonder wonder why you're such a good fit for that. Now, Dom, so I found this BuzzFeed article and it's called 27 Problems Only Introverts Will Understand. So I want to run some of them by you and we'll see which ones resonate with us. And lady, as you listen, tell us in the comments of either the Her Space Sanctuary or leave us a review and let us know which of these resonate with you as well, okay? So the first one says, when you need to take a break and recharge after socializing for too long. I'm going to just say, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think about those moments where after like a big social event or like a long day mm-hmm. of socializing or like attending a conference where like you're constantly on, I just imagine like getting in my car after the event and just like, I literally just like sit and like kind of almost collapse and mm-hmm. just like exhale, like <sighs> it's done. I have more moments like that than, oh, I'm so hype. I'm so glad that the, the, like the in. Mm, yeah, I'm with you. Energy's gone. Gone. Okay, it's 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 done. Went out the door somewhere over there. And I find that for me, I'm also, and I don't know if it's going to get into this in the article, but I'm also like an overthinker. And so in situations like that, I want to be able to process like what I've, what happened, what conversations did I have? Who did I connect with? Like, I just have to process. And so for me, it's just overwhelming. So afterward, I like melt in the seat or I'm like, okay, I need to go back to my room. And what it says here is I'm not antisocial. I swear. I just need to recharge my introvert juices, which I'm like, yeah, I can dig that. Right. And I, and you know, and I hear that and then I'm like, okay, wait, let me back up and let me clarify for the people what antisocial means. Because in the diagnostic world, mm-hmm. psychology, psychological diagnostic world, yeah. antisocial also means that you're a person. It doesn't mean like in pop culture, mm-hmm. antisocial means I'm not a social person, yeah. right? That I can go to my room and I can be by myself. Mm-hmm. That's how we most of us hear it. Mm-hmm. But in the psychological community, when you say antisocial, that means a person who is constantly doing things to break the rules and violate the rights of others. Oh. Think Scarface. Okay. I did not know that. Interesting. So when you hear antisocial personality yeah. disorder, it's a person who doesn't have a re- who doesn't have any regard for social norms. Okay. Is it intentional? Like they're like, oh, I'm about to fuck with these people and like do some crazy shit or like. It's more about I have these goals to get 
get something for myself okay. and it doesn't matter whose rights I violate to get that goal. That's why I say think the think about the yeah. movie Scarface, right? In this context, mm -hmm. and oftentimes when people use the word yeah. antisocial, yep. they're referring to a person who's the opposite of social. Like, I don't like people. Or I'm just like trying to stay away from people. That's interesting, Dom. I did not know that. Right. Okay. And let me know how you feel about this next one. Because I don't think I struggle with this, but it says when people mistake your thoughtful look for resting bitch face. Oh, that <laughs> is the worst. Is that you? Not me. Oh, okay. Not me. <laughs> But I say that's the worst because I think of multiple people that I know who people have told them, oh, you have resting bitch face. Mm -hmm. And those people are some deep thinkers. Like they are con they are very yeah. introspective. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they have to constantly be engaged with everybody. Yes. Yeah. Then the other one says having visitors stay with you is a nightmare because it means you have to be on all times at all times. See, that's where I get pushed more towards the extrovert spectrum because I don't if I'm inviting someone to be in my mm -hmm. house, then I'm prepared to be on. Mm -hmm. Nah, I can't have you in my house for like three weeks at a time. Hell and then nah. I'm like, mm -mm. by then I'm <laughs> like, oh, no, I need some time to myself. Yes. But I will say, yeah, that puts me more towards the extrovert spectrum. Okay. The opposite is true when I'm visiting other people. Ooh, that's a good one. So when I'm visiting other people, yeah. at a certain point, I want to be able to go into my room mm -hmm. and just kind of be by myself. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm, when I'm in it, when I'm mm. on, I'm fully present. Yep. But then I just need a little bit of time, like at the end of the day, to just kind of be by myself. I understand that. I feel like I'm pretty much the same way, but it depends on who the visitor is. Like who who are, who who's the group of people that I'm hanging out with. So mm -hmm. one of my girlfriends, we hung out one weekend and it was so dope because we both had our laptops and we were just silently working and I was like, "Yo, I fuck with you." This was it was so dope cuz I was like, "You can't do that with everybody." Some people right. and this is no judgment. Some people feel the need to feel every moment of silence. And for me, I'm like I need silence. I need to just think. I need to just be in my thoughts. Like, that's just my thing. That's what that's what I do. And so for me, I think if it's a visitor where it's like my siblings, where it's like, I don't have to be on for you, it's it's different. But if it's someone where I'm like, I have to be present, I have to be on, I have to kind of be a certain way, that's when it gets exhausting for me. And I don't want to, so I know oh. you and I are like really introverted yeah. and I'm more kind of closer towards the extrovert yeah. spectrum. So I don't want to have our extroverts kind of feeling left out, like oh. kind of wondering like, oh, well, there's no description of me in here. Yeah. So, and I want to be clear that it's not what how we're describing ourselves. Like if we're saying that, an, we're not saying that an extrovert is the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Again, I want to remind us that it's a spectrum. And so the extrovert, when you were saying like, you're like, I can sit in silence and work with my homegirl and we just be, we're just good. The extrovert is the person who is going to have that need to engage. They are going to be that person that needs to talk it out. And they're going to be that person who's also super expressive as well. And so if you're that person who's like, if we're getting together to do schoolwork or work, work, whatever it is, we're getting together to work on a project. If you're that extrovert, you got to communicate with your introverted friends so that 
you all can figure out what's going to be mutually beneficial because your introvert friend is going to be like, shut the fuck up so I can concentrate. <laughs> yes. And the extrovert friend is going to be and every little thing that comes into their attention. They're going to want to process out yes. loud. Yes. Oh, gosh. Nadama, I have two more for you. Okay. Okay. So the next one says that feeling of dread that washes over you when the phone rings and you're not mentally prepared to chat. Mm. Or somebody just FaceTime you and I'm like, I'm looking at the phone like, yo, did we schedule a FaceTime? Like, why are you just FaceTiming me <laughs> randomly? I'm not interested in talking right now. Yeah, that happens. That happens for sure. That doesn't necessarily happen for me. Yeah. What? But you know what? I take steps ahead of time to prevent that. Ooh. So like I'll have my phone on silent and have it away. Mm. So that way, like, I'm not even worried about. Like, if I'm trying to have some solitude, like, my phone is put down okay. and it's on silent so that I don't have to worry about that dread or that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, because then my fear becomes, oh, what if they know that I'm, like, ignoring their call? Well, no. If my phone is put away, I don't have to worry about that, exactly. right? I'm I'm in my moment. I'm focusing. Or... If we think back to how we can be practice our assertiveness skills, if I'm not ready for the phone call, I can pick up and I can say, hey, mm. I'm in the middle of something. Let me call you back. Mm-hmm. Right. That works. That makes sense. And what about the last one? When you're trying to get something done at work, but you can't because everyone else is talking. Mm. OK. OK. So for me, I have my own office. So excuse me. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> we just got to pause. Humble brag. You, y'all, y'all catch that little stunt right there? I have my own office. Okay, Dom. I'm trying to get my own office, girl. That would be amazing. Well, when you're a therapist, you need that privacy oh, and confidentiality. So I, by default, I have to have my own office. I wish I could have that brag like, girl, I'm so corner, on it, that right? Corner that corner office. office. Not even. Not even. I have to. Wait, Dom, one more joke. You bougie now? Okay, okay, okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm Go done. check that episode out, y'all. Go check it out. <laughs> so I have that privilege by nature of what I do. So I can close my door. So that's an easy way that I don't have to deal. I just have to, you know, you just have to be clear. And use for the most part, people respect that. Like when yeah. the door is closed, they get, because my door usually is open. Mm-hmm. So if it's closed, they know she's in session exactly. or she's doing something. If I need her, I'm going to knock. If I can wait, it'll wait. That's so dope. That sounds amazing. I wish I had my own office. <laughs> I do. So I work. Okay. When I'm trying to work, like, I am very sensitive to noise. And so if there's, like, any noise, especially somebody smacking or chewing or something like that will drive me insane. People talking, it's a big distraction because I just pick up on everything. I'm, like, very sensitive to sound. And so I usually have on, like, Bose headphones. And I'm just, like, they're noise canceling. So I'm just, like, have I have, like, jazz or beach or meditation music playing to, like, drown everything out. And I'm just grinding out because that's what I need. So, yes, that one definitely meets... Um, yeah, one of the criteria for the problems that I experience as an introverted extrovert, I'll say. Yes, and I was going to say that puts you, because you are someone who can be easily distracted, but you're also action-oriented, those are qualities of an extrovert. Mm. So then, again, just to remind us about the spectrum yeah. that 
that means that you are not 100% on the introverted side, that that pushes you closer towards being an extrovert. That sounds about right. I would definitely agree with that. So I found this really interesting article. There's a blog called Quiet Revolution, Unlocking the Power of Introverts blog. And that's some black girl magic. Nicole Nichols wrote a post called Four Lessons I've Learned as an Introverted Black Girl. So I just want to quickly run through some of these because I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting for you, lady. So number one, regardless of how it may seem, I'm not alone. There are more of us out there than I thought. And I feel like in recent years, more conversations around being introverted and getting your energy from being alone have been sparked and people are just having that conversation. I think Brene Brown must, I think she did like a TED talk on that or someone, was it her? I don't know. She did vulnerability, but I think she also did one on uh, one on where you really derive your energy from. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. And I feel like after that, especially people have had the conversation. So now it's like, oh, great. More people are talking about it. I'm not alone. This is a thing. It's not just me being weird. You know, people are like, if they don't understand something, it's like, you're weird. You're this. It's like, no, this is a thing. Right. And there's and so there's some comfort in knowing that there are other people that can relate to you. Yes. So the second one is, since our personality type is opposite of loud, irreverent black woman stereotype, many people are perplexed by us. And it makes me think about what you said about one of your friends, where it's like, she just in her head, just doing her own thing and deep thought. And I'm like that often as well. And people will see you and it's like, oh, she's not communicating with me or she's not smiling or, you know, it's like black woman stereotype kind of thing. I know we're going to get into one of these tweets that we saw, but you don't fall into that that loud, boisterous uh, stereotype. And that's okay. I think the thing to take into consideration is that, one, we are so much more than that, that we are not monolithic, that like most things in life, there is variety, there is a spectrum, that some of us are going to be loud, And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then others of us are going to be super quiet and really introverted and not say anything. But the majority of us, actually, if we think about like that bell-shaped curve, Mm -hmm. most of us fall right in the middle. So if we say, like, if we're looking at it and it's like a 100-point scale and zero means you're an introvert, and 100 means you're an extrovert, the majority of us fall between that spectrum of probably, I would say, about 25 to 75. That's Mm -hmm. where the majority of us fall. So there's room for all of us to to be within that and not have that expectation that all of us are supposed to be extroverted And if we're not, something's wrong with us. Exactly. And that leads us into the third one, which says, people assume we're blank slates and they fill in preconceived blanks as they see fit. And then she goes on to say, they call it fixing us, among other things. There's this shell that I'm supposedly in and it seems to bother people if they think I'm too far into it. And it's just like, no, people are just different. Like we just express ourselves differently. And I know sometimes I I have a group of friends and they're very extroverted and we're not, we're not like super, super close. It's more like professional friends, I guess you could say. And sometimes being around them is it's fun, but it's like very exhausting for me. So I typically in that group will kind of take the back 
sort of background person. Mm -hmm. So I'm like chiming in as I see fit, but they're just like really, really, they're just really, really engaged. And I'm just like, okay, this is a lot for me. And so they may look at me like, oh, something's wrong. But it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm in it, you know, observing and just doing my thing. And, and to me, like there's a difference between someone who is introverted and someone who has social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Now, someone who has social anxiety may be introverted, but our introvert doesn't have to have social anxiety. I'm going to say that one more time because I know I said that fast. There's a difference between being introverted and having social anxiety. The person who has social anxiety, chances are introverted. But just because you're an introvert does not mean that you have social anxiety. And so just because someone is introverted, there's no pathology there. And even social anxiety is not, it shouldn't be pathologized. They're different experiences. And we'll dive into an upcoming episode where we like really dive into social anxiety so we can get a sense of how different it really is. That's a good one, Dom. And the last one that Nicole shares is quiet confidence is still confidence. I love this one. And she says, introverts are some of the most self-aware people on the face of the earth. Snap, snap. Okay. <laughs> we get plenty of opportunities to elevate ourselves, especially because we have so many people who are concerned about our confidence level and let us know that they don't think it's quite where it should be. And I think that's true. Quiet confidence is still confidence. And I think it's still a beautiful thing. And I love this post that she wrote. So shout out to Nicole. Right. Yes. Shout out to her for making sure that we understand that there is nothing wrong with being an introvert. Because again, introversion does not mean that you're shy, does not mean that you have social anxiety, does not mean that you don't like people. It's about where do you derive your energy from? There you go. And before we touch on some tips for introverts, and some personality tests you can take if you want to learn more about which sort of side you're leaning toward, I want to say, as far as the introvert and extrovert spectrum. I want to talk a bit about this tweet that I saw, and there was this conversation going that just like took off. Now, Dom, I don't know if you want to pronounce this woman's name because I might butcher it, but I believe, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. And sis, if we mispronounce your name, I apologize. I think it's, is it Noma? I think it's Noma. Okay, it looks like Noma. I hope it's Noma. I hope it's right. But what she said in her tweet was, Black women are not allowed to be introverts in professional settings, and that shit is draining. And basically, the thread goes on to talk about how, you know, we, oftentimes as Black women, because of the stereotypes associated with being a Black woman, we are expected to be smiling and making people comfortable and, you know, not... We, we don't have the luxury of being deep in thought and maybe having whatever expression we have on our face because we're deep in thought because we got to make people comfortable and we got to be on and we got to be engaging in conversation and be boisterous and be this and be that. And it's like, I'm just trying to be my damn self and get my energy where it's coming from. And there's this expectation that's very draining to be on for people. And I think her thread kind of taps into what we've been talking about all along that like, this expectation of Black women to show up in the world in a way that makes the people around us feel comfortable. And if we're not showing up in that way, then there must be something wrong with us. And I think that it also allows us to kind of revisit things that we've talked about in the past on the show, that 
we have a right to advocate for ourselves. We have a right to set boundaries for ourselves. And we don't have to live up to anybody's expectations but our own. And so when it comes to being in the workplace, we can set those boundaries for ourselves, right? We can assert ourselves and we can say, you know what? This is who I am. Know that because of that quiet confidence, when you need me to give a presentation, I got you. Mm -hmm. When you need me to represent the office at this networking event, I got you. But know that you cannot expect me to do the presentation that lasts two hours followed up by a four-hour networking event, followed up by two, three other things that require socializing because I'm going to be drained. And at some point towards the end, my energy is going to fall off and that might affect my job performance. And so I'm going to set the boundaries so that you know, here's how and when I am able to show up. And here's where I need to take care of self and say, okay, I will do present, I will do the presentation on this day. And then I need an hour or so to walk away, to step away, to regain some of that energy. There you go. And if you're listening, you're wondering, you know, which sort of personality uh, you are leaning toward. I do want to recommend a few. I've taken these tests myself and I found in my personal journey of exploration and just getting to know who I am and learning, you know, what careers I might be better suited for. Personality tests have been game changers for me. And I found that I, I believe, I guess I answer all the questions, honestly, that are required for you to get your type because I typically resonate so deeply with the results. And so the first one is the Myers-Briggs and the Myers-Briggs is an introspective self-report questionnaire. And the purpose of this test is to indicate differing psychological preferences and how people perceive the world around them and make decisions. So when I took this test, I found that I was INFJ, but I was very close. Like I was literally like 50-50 introvert, extrovert. It could have skewed to extrovert depending on the day, but it was very close. And for me, that spoke to a lot of what we talked about today. I was like, oh, okay, this is where I fit on that spectrum. And I found that finding that test allowed me or or completing that test allowed me to figure out which careers I might be suited for. It allowed me to just get a better understanding of myself and also how to communicate who I am to other people. Because I didn't have language for this prior to taking the test. And when I took it, I was like, oh, so I'm not just a weirdo. I mean, I am a weirdo and I'm cool with that. (laughs) But like there's more to my, you know, desire for solitude and need for quiet. And this explains more of that. So when you took that test, how did you come about, how did you come in contact with being able to take this test? Yeah. So actually the college I went to, they had a career center and I was in that career center all the time trying to get help and tweak my resume and all that. And they encouraged us to take the Myers-Briggs to learn more about our personality types so we could map ourselves to potential careers. And so one of the things that I want us to be sure about is that as you're trying to figure this out, if you want to kind of test yourself and find out more information, there's oftentimes, and especially if you're on like Facebook or any other social media platform, there's always questions about, oh, take this personality quiz. Please know that those instruments are not accurate measures, valid measures of your personality. So you, Terry, you took the test at a career center on your college campus, 
that means that that test was licensed to that career center and monitored by, assessed by professionals who are trained to have a conversation with you afterwards Mm -hmm. about what those results really mean. And so if you're really looking to get an accurate assessment, visit your college career center. If you aren't in a college setting, maybe your job has a career center or the HR office may have access to these things, but make sure that you're using the services of a professional. I would totally agree with that, Dom, because I know there are so many, if you Google it, there are so many like free options and that may, it might not give you the best results. So no, yes, no, no. definitely listen to, take Dom's advice on that one. Now, the second test was a test called the Berkman. And this was something that one of my coaches, one of my life coaches had advised me to take when I was trying to figure out what the hell am I doing with my life? And like, who am I? And so the Berkman map symbols derive from a multitude of factors that are measured, including interests, behaviors, and needs. And they represent a unique aspect with regard to one's approach style and areas of motivation. So again, if you're trying to dive in deeper on like, who am I? What motivates me? What path you know might be suitable for me? That's also a good test. Um, now, the last test is called the DISC. And the DISC profile is actually a test that I took at my current job, and it's published by Wiley, and it's a non-judgmental tool used for discussion of people's behavioral differences. And the cool thing about this is if you, ideally, folks will take it in the workplace with other people, and the profile can help you improve your working relationships by telling you, okay, person A, this is how they think about conflict, and this is what motivates them. Now, if you're trying to communicate with person A based on your personality type, This is how you should communicate. So it's actually very effective when it's used properly. Um, It also helps you learn more about what motivates you, what causes you stress, how to solve problems, and much, much more. And I think that why these tests are so often utilized in career centers and in the workplaces because they were developed by personality psychologists, Mm -hmm. but also industrial organizational psychologists who their specialty is figuring out ways to enhance the workplace. And so these psychologists know that if people have an understanding of each other's personalities, they can figure out how to navigate a work situation to create a good end product for the overall organization. Exactly. Because you know how it is left to our own devices. If we don't know how to communicate with someone, it can get very get very ugly very yes, quickly. Yes, yes. So now what we want to do is we want to empower you with some tips for how you can navigate this world that's been built for extroverts as an introvert, right? And so we're definitely gearing. We've talked a little bit about the extroverted lifestyle, but we do really live in a world that's that's pretty much that caters to that style. And I think some of us have kind of tried to become that to fit the mold, but a lot of people are introverts. And I feel like we've learned that as we continue to learn more information about this personality type. And so the first tip is to communicate. Communication is key. And I think the more that you learn about yourself, whether it's personality tests or reading books, I know Susan Cain. I think she did a TED talk about being an introvert and we mm-hmm. use her quote today. Um, when you have language for your, you know, your, um, I want to say disposition or personality type, it allows you to communicate your needs to other people. Now, I remember when my husband and I were in grad school and we started dating, he was like, 
what is wrong with this girl? Because I always need, I was like, you know, you're great. Like, I like you and everything, but I need time. I just wanted, I love to spend hours by myself. And that was how I got my energy. I was like journaling. And I used to have me a bomb ass time by myself. And he just couldn't understand. He's like, wait, so you're telling me you want us to not hang out because you want to go just chill in the room by yourself and light candles and be in the dark? And I was just like, yeah, that actually sounds amazing to me. So being able to get language for myself to explain to him and send him articles even. So now he gets it. He's like, oh, okay, I get it. You need your time. Cool. But he didn't understand it in the beginning. And so being able to also empower the people around you and let them know this is how I am. I told my manager the same thing. Like when I started the new role I was in, I was like, hey, I may have my headphones on at my desk. I'm not, you know, antisocial is what I use. I was like, I just... I'm very sensitive to noise. I work best when I have a quiet environment. So if you guys need me, just send me a message or tap me. It's cool. So communicating allows other folks to get clarity. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> so tip number two, keeping conversation starters in your phone or in your wallet. And so I think that, you know, our extroverts, I know you all are gregarious. Like you all are just constantly like thinking out loud. So you don't have a problem with figuring out how to make small talk or how to dive deep right away. Right. But our folks that are closer on the introverted spectrum, sometimes small talk or just initiating conversation can be so hard. And that can cause anxiety that, and like I said, we'll have a whole nother episode where we talk about social anxiety, but that is a big issue for a lot of folks who have social anxiety and our folks who are just introverted. And so I think this idea of in your phone, like, and, and you don't have to be on your phone in the moment and say, okay, wait, let Mm -hmm. me think of these, let me pull it up (laughs) and let me look at these five things. It doesn't have to be that awkward. Before you walk into the room, you glance at your phone and come up with, you know, you look at your list of questions, pick two questions that you want to ask someone to kind of get the conversation started. That is my go-to, Dom. I used to keep this little piece of paper in my wallet, but I now use my notepad in my phone. And there's a book called The Fine Art of Small Talk by Deborah Fine. And she has some really great questions on like what questions to ask in different settings. And so that's my go-to. I still use some of those questions to this day when you're in an, you know, it might be like in an elevator or you might be in a networking event. And you're like, oh shit, this is awkward. I don't know what to say. They're standing there. I like to just feel a bit more empowered and prepare myself. So I'll go through those questions seamlessly, like you said, pick out two have a conversation and you're good to go. And I think that leads into our third tip about setting networking goals when you're at events. So you have your questions already lined Mm -hmm. up, right? So maybe your goal can be, I'm going to ask two people two questions. Is that, I mean, it, it sounds simple and it really can be that simple And maybe if you're feeling super ambitious, you can say, you know what? This is a room full of hundreds of people. Maybe I'm going to up that number and I'm going to ask 10 different people two questions. And you don't have to come up with 20 questions. You use those same two questions and you work your way around the room. But set a couple of goals for yourself to force you to kind of interact with people. That's what I did. So I went to Afrotech last year. And if you don't know about Afrotech, you have to Google Afrotech, but it was just an amazing 
amazing tech conference in San Francisco with thousands of just brilliant black people, just dope ass black people everywhere. And I set goals before I went because I know I get anxious in settings with like a lot of people in general conferences are great, but also overwhelming. And so I set a goal to like, all right, I'm going to meet with five people, but I want to build genuine connections with them. I, I mean, I don't want to talk about the weather and, you know, random shit. I'm like, I want to talk about legacy and like, what are your life goals? Like, I want to dig all deep. And sometimes it can be weird if you just meet someone diving in that deep. So coming in with those questions prepared and being able to meet those goals or have those goals where you make genuine connections, that's that's kind of like a, an example of a goal that I set when I go to conferences. And that takes us to number four, which is visualization. I used to be so scared of public speaking and networking, and I really used visualization a lot in the beginning of my journey. I still use it today, but not as much, but it's been super helpful. And for me, that just looks like me, you know, I set those goals that I have for the networking event, and then visualization looks like me imagining myself achieving those goals. So maybe like the night before the event, I'm just, you know, I close my eyes, I might meditate and just see myself being successful, being confident in the situation, interacting with people, building genuine connections. And that has been super helpful for me, like seeing it in your mind's eye, right, before you actually see it manifest in the world. That could also look like rehearsing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you've you've manifested it in your mind and now you practice in front of the mirror, you know, you you get in front of the mirror and you say, I'm going to ask this question. And you ask this question and you fit, kind of pace yourself to kind of see, well, wait, mm, when I ask that question, it feels a little clunky. So or it seems a little awkward. So maybe I'm not going to ask that question. Let me look at my list of questions and pick a new one. And that also can help with the visualization. And then our last one, our tip number five, self-compassion. Remember to be gentle with yourself and know that you are not alone. And there is no expectation to get it right. If you set those networking goals for yourself, if you visualize it in, it in flowing in one way and it doesn't happen or you don't meet those goals, only you are aware of what those goals are. So no need to be upset with yourself. Set some new goals and try again the next time. If you talk to one person instead of the 10 people that you set out to talk to, that one person might have been the one person you needed to talk to to get you to that next job, Hmm. to get you to that next career goal or personal goal. So just remember to be gentle with yourself and know that Introversion and extroversion is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Some days you might be at 25 and the next day you might be at 75 or 50 other places in between. And that's okay. And I know I used to beat myself up about being an introvert because I would see my friends who could just go into a room and they could work that room. And I was just like, damn, I like, I felt like something was wrong with me. So if you are do, if you have to do a bit more mental prep on the back end, or if you have to do a bit more mental prep on the front end to prepare for a situation, again, don't beat yourself up about it. We, we all have different personality types and different strengths. And so I know for me, I had to get comfortable with Okay, this is this is who I am. I just have a you know a different journey to get to the event, whereas my friend can just hop in there and just network with mad people, and that's that's her thing or that's his thing. For me, it's, it looks a little different. So don't judge yourself if you have to look in the mirror and say your you know affirmations or do your visualization. Like we all have a different process, and it's okay. And know that if you are also that person who is 
very extroverted and you are the person who walks in and you are the life of the party, do not tamper yourself down. Do not dim your light to make other people feel better. Being extroverted, being outgoing is just as cool as that person who's the introvert who is having the quiet one-on-one conversation. There is room for all of us. Drops mic. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I will not judge myself for where I'm starting. I'm making progress every day. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, ladies.